I'm Hannah Schaefer. I'm Evan Rowland. Welcome to Design Doc. We're returning to Design Doc after a little bit of a hiatus. It wasn't really a planned break. No. Hiatus. It involved a planned break. <laughs> um, so we needed to take a little bit of a break from the podcast, and that's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode, about how you continue to find creative energy and inspiration in hard times. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm <laughs> excited. I feel a little bit nervous, too. So let's start by talking about the hard times of Questlandia 1, the original hard times. <laughs> In the very first episode of Design Doc, we gave a little bit of a framing of what we were thinking about when we designed Questlandia 1. The U.S. economy was shaky. We were recently out of college and moving from place to place. We didn't feel grounded. We didn't feel like we had a network of friends. We were researching collapsing governments and how to live post-collapse. <laughs> we were very worried. Yeah, there was a lot going on. We had a lot of worries and there was a lot of, you know, this feeling in the air. I think, you know, with a lot of millennials at the time, that's kind of just persisted that like, what is this, where is this future that we had been promised or this future that our parents had said was going to be available to us as long as we went to college. Like all you had to do was go to college. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, suddenly we had friends who were getting their master's and their PhDs who couldn't find a job. Um, right. So things felt really precarious, but we launched ahead. We founded this community center. We started designing games together. Uh, and then in the middle of working on Questlandia 1, we decided that it was best if we broke up. Yeah. It just felt like, you know, the right time and place in history <laughs> for a personal breakup. So we completed work on Questlandia 1. We launched the Kickstarter. We edited the book together. At the time, you know, we didn't have a professional editor. Mm -mm. We didn't have the money from the Kickstarter. We didn't think that was something... I was like, whatever, we're good editors. <laughs> um, <laughs> you made all of the art. We learned how to use InDesign for the first time, all while going through a really tense, shitty <laughs> breakup. <laughs> Not going through. It was like it was, it was, it was done. It had happened. We broke yeah. up, and now we had to produce our first ever role playing game and ship it. I remember it is a very hard time. Uh, I remember us having this list of the edits that we needed to make to the game and like the final tasks to get the book ready. And it was a long list. It was hundreds and hundreds of things that needed to happen. Well, I remember that the whatever task management program we were using maxed out at 200 tasks. Oh. And we had like maxed it out. And we were like, oh, fuck. We had like a spillover, like a secondary <laughs> task list because there were so many. And I remember going through that all the while with this tension of you know, not knowing where our relationship or, you know, 
how our friendship would be now that our relationship was ended. I think I remember it maybe more clearly than you. <laughs> I think maybe you've blocked some of this out because, you know, with all the other games we've made with Norlandia and Dame the Man, you've asked like, man, was Questlandia this hard? I was like, man, Questlandia was was a lot worse than this. Yeah, with every that game, every worst. time I start to kind of have my meltdown towards, you know, the the editing and book layout phase of the project, I'm just like, Questlandia wasn't this hard. And that was our first game. It wasn't this hard. And Evan's always like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Did you just block out like three years of your life? <laughs> So I'm starting to gain some, I think that finally I'm starting to gain some of those memories back. That was rough and we made it work. We actually finished the project. We cleared out that whole massive to-do list and published the game. And maybe after something like a year, a little less than a year, we ended up getting back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was about a year and we took some time and... Uh, hadn't planned on getting back together, but mm -hmm. we were like, gosh, you know, there are things about this relationship that we really value, and we've each had some time apart, and uh, let's give this another go. And then we did for like five years or something. So flash forward. <laughs> <laughs> we are now making Questlandia 2. We are doing this bi-weekly-ish <laughs> mm -hmm. podcast about the game. And because everything comes full circle and because life is an eternal return, we have broken up. That's right. You're listening to two friends <laughs> rather than partners <laughs> at this very moment. So I don't know, you know, if there was a point in the episodes where you could hear like a tone shift or something. I think very astute listeners will be like, oh, yes, I saw this coming. Oh, in episode 12, when they talked about, <laughs> I don't know what episode 12 was, mm -hmm. <laughs> collaboration, social. It was just anyway. a matter of time. Uh, yeah, so uh, these are hard times. Familiar hard times. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, not for me, having blocked out the first time. <laughs> So in June, we made the decision that uh, it was best for the things that we each felt like we needed in our lives to end our relationship. And after that, we, you know, things kind of moved really quickly. We live in different places now, and we're trying to, you know, move forward as collaborators and as friends without this relationship part of our lives or well with a different relationship and so now we get to kind of muck through this process of figuring out how to have a different type of relationship uh while also being you know continuing to make games together continuing to move in all the same social circles and you know it's like i think we're pretty we've done this before mm -hmm. i think that we can do it even better now but it's still hard. And we have this podcast now. And it feels like it would be a little disingenuous to not talk about what's happening at all. 
Yeah, I mean, this, you know, this podcast isn't about us, but it is about kind of the personal process of bringing a role-playing game to completion. Oh, it's not a promise we're not going to talk about this every episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, we're going to fold this into a bigger conversation about, like, when something life-shaking happens and you still need to wake up and make the thing and do the thing and go to work and make your bed and, like, find some sense of stability, uh, how do you do that? I mean, it applies to a breakup. It applies to waking up with depression and anxiety. It applies to, like, being a person who is an em empathetic, caring person waking up every morning in Trump's America. Even if you haven't broken up with us personally, <laughs> things can be hard. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the tactics and attitudes that have made it possible to work during hard times. I know for me, one thing is trying to extend a lot of patience and kindness to you, even though uh, it does feel hard to work together right now. Like I have to, it's not quite compartmentalizing. Um, compartmentalizing to me always implied that you like put your emotions aside to do the thing mm -hmm. you know that you're like okay here's my emotional feeling self and here's my business self and i feel like it's more like accepting that this is really challenging and still doing the thing and like saying to you uh, uh this is hard and let's do the thing and i'm gonna try to bring patience and kindness to it which I don't always, <laughs> uh, I mean, there have been a few times that we've, uh, it's not that we haven't succeeded in recording an episode, but like where we tried to plan for an episode and I was just like, this is really hard. Mm -hmm. I can't do this right now. It's, it's vital to, to make space for the fact that now it's like, okay, there's just a whole extra emotional load that's going to be attached to this work. And yeah. it's okay. It's just it's just part of it. And it's okay for either one of us. So it's all about permission and being kind and gracious. Some of it is accepting that this work is coming with additional emotional challenges right now and working through that and acknowledging it. And then some of it is also uh, recognizing when we actually do need to step back and saying, like, this is this is a point where it would be unhealthy to have this meeting or to record this episode. Like there is there is something in this moment where we should not move forward. We need to take a break. And so this episode's a little late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I guess that happened. And that said, it's been very useful to have a schedule. It's been helpful to make commitments about when we're going to work on something, get it on the schedule, get it on the schedule in detail. Like we're going to meet for this hour to talk about this in particular. And... To give you like, give both of us prep time and just like a reasonable expectation where we can just know this is, this is the work. This is the time. I feel like that doesn't just apply to having a breakup. I used to, in my life, think that like, I don't know, that, that like the, the crux of being a cool person was being a spontaneous person. That, like, you were just, like, a cool, breezy, 
chill person if you did everything on the fly and that also like I don't know that there was some association that like being a really organized scheduled person also meant that you were like a depressed person you know because you couldn't accept change uh you know you grew up in California (laughs) (laughs) yeah where everybody's just on the beach all the time so you don't even need a schedule because you're like what time is it beach (laughs) (laughs) o'clock Um, but, you know, I feel like as time has gone on and like I've dealt with a lot of depression and anxiety in my own life, I've found that like having a schedule is such an important part of, I don't know, like maintaining a sense of freedom for me, like knowing that we're going to record the podcast during this time or knowing that I'm going to do this thing or scheduling this thing with a friend, like gives me this sense of calm control uh, at a time when a lot of things feel like they're kind of spiraling out of control. I've been reading a lot of politics. <laughs> it's uh, There's a lot of spiraling going on. It's crazy. <laughs> so you're not saying read politics as a recommendation for how to get through hard times? I would not recommend what I'm doing <laughs> to anyone that I care about. Uh, but that's a bigger conversation, how politics get in and are dealt with through games. But it's a part of the hard times, too. I mean, between uh, going through a breakup after a long-term relationship and this sort of unique situation where we will still continue to be close friends and collaborators while also, you know, waking up every morning in a country being overtaken by Nazi apologists, I know that one thing I struggle with is, like, sometimes this guilt or something over the idea of normal where I wake up and I'm like well I just need to do my normal shit I need to go and take a shower and make my bed and get ready and like go and get groceries and like is it okay to do to do the normal (laughs) is it okay to feel normal or should I never feel normal like if I don't feel normal am I ushering in a new era of fascism am I not caring enough for Evan in this difficult time That's something that's been challenging for me is like figuring out where normal fits into my life, but needing normal. It's a very Questlandia feeling of having a flailing society that maybe desperately needs some attention and you've got to care for yourself. I feel like having routines, having some normality is a really useful tool in chaotic times. It's like the guardrails on a boat. It's not that you need to, you know, be holding onto the guardrails all the time, but it's something you can catch on to when you're getting whipped around by the ocean. A routine can just give you a place to be and a thing to do and a, a way to collect your thoughts. A few years ago, I got really into reading books about, like, decluttering and organizing And I was surprised at, like, how many books sort of address the mental health component of, like, what chaos in your space does to, you know, like, contributing to these feelings of, like, chaos in the mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of those messages really stuck with me. So especially during this time, I've really tried to remember to, like, pick out my clothes the night before. So it's, like, one less mental burden for the morning. 
And I'm not like a fashionable person. So I'm not talking about like, you know, share clueless style, like getting and <laughs> <laughs> designing my <laughs> designing my outfit. Like it's just like I put out my t-shirt. <laughs> it's you know, like one of my gamer t-shirts. I put out my pants. It's one of three pairs of pants that I own. <laughs> I have one pair of shoes. <laughs> but like there's something about the act of like putting them out the night before. Wait, and wait you have one pair of shoes? I do have like one pair of shoes. What happened to your other like 19 pairs of shoes? Those are fall shoes. Oh. I have one summer pair of shoes. I clearly have no idea what I'm talking I, well, about. Well, it's because I'm we're sorry. broken up now. So you don't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know, like putting out my outfit the night before. I mean, I did it this morning and I it was like like I woke up and when it's already so hard to get out of bed because you feel sad, you're like, okay, here's this one little gift that I gave to myself. I mean, for a while I was I was literally putting out a dollar bill for myself. Which is maybe a little too on the nose. I don't know who I th- thought I was fooling. I'm not the smartest when I wake up, so I just thought maybe. You were like, ooh. What's What's been more helpful than the dollar has been uh, taking a lot of care around my work desk and keeping everything tidy and put together there so that, you know, if I manage to stumble my way over in the morning, I can just immediately settle in and get to work and there's no cords to untangle or you know snacks to remove anything like that it helps it helps to make that a smooth transition in one of those books that i had read one of those like organizing books they also talked about how like making your bed every morning in addition to uh being something that just was like helped you form good habits also makes your entire space look more together and i remember like I don't know, last year or something, trying to get into that habit and then a friend coming over and like peeking into the room, which was otherwise kind of a nightmare, but I had like smoothed over the bed and he was like, wow, your life is really together. <laughs> and I was like, oh my shit, it worked. <laughs> Fooled. So I don't know. When things are spiraling into chaos, sometimes all you can do is kind of grab onto these small uh, I don't know, g- gems. Mine for these tiny gems of stability. <laughs> I think that this kind of work as full-time work is an extra challenge because this would be a great time to be in a job with a boss where you're expected at a certain time and you're expected to leave at a certain time and you can abdicate some of the responsibility of deciding what your hours and days are going to look like because you might not be in the best place to make that decision but you and i are in charge of a lot of our days and what's what each hour is going to look like and so you know that's work and it's nice to put as much of that work into the good hours as possible so that when the hard hours come it's already set Things are already in motion. You have a place to be. That place is clear and ready. You have the supplies you need. And you can just you can just go. You also had a note about like uh shopping for good food. Yeah. And that's right along there, right? Like when it's time to eat, there's something that's good to eat that's easy to prepare or has been prepared in advance. It's like, you know, 
trying to be your own grandma or something. Just like setting yourself up for success when you have the mind space to do it so that when you dip down, you're supported. I feel like there is this thing in sort of games culture um, and in tabletop culture that uh, I see a lot at conventions especially, which is this like fetishization or competition around like who can push their body and mind to the edge uh, at a convention. It's like, you know, you see on Twitter people like basically bragging about how little sleep they've gotten or how shitty the food is that they've eaten for four days straight. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, but like this is part of the culture. And I found that like even in the environment of a convention, which is, you know, four days out of my life, uh, that really doesn't work for me. Like it takes a powerful toll on my mental and physical health. You know, as somebody who like already has a lot of chronic pain, but sometimes I get kind of tied into that. Like I get kind of roped into it or, or pulled into it where I'm like, yeah, I, like I am making games. And so I'm going to order the pizza every night in a row. No sleep. Here we go. This is the way we get shit done. Um, I mean, you wouldn't have anything to tweet about, though, if you were just like, yeah, I made some sandwiches and little baggies. <laughs> I meal prepped on this Sunday. Here's my asparagus and brown rice portioned into Tupperware containers. Okay, people would actually love that tweet. <laughs> but I, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is, I'm trying to find a way to tie this back in because I feel like sometimes I feel like as somebody who makes games, like if I don't work that way, I'm doing it wrong. But I feel like now in my life, especially, like, I just don't have the space for, like, I really need to treat myself like I am my grandma, a really good grandma. And I think it's important to to just just say that's not a place you can always be in, especially when things are hard, right? It's about taking the moments where you are in that place, where you are feeling ready to help yourself and using those to help create a padding so that when you're not in that place, when you can't be your own grandma and you need to be a grand son or daughter, (laughs) you need to be grandma that support is there. That preparation is there. There's something on the schedule. There's something to eat. There's friends who are going to come over. You know, we talked, I, I think that some of the stuff that we're saying now it reminds me of our deadline motivated episode. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that is happening for me now also is I'm having to remind myself about the value of saying no to things. I said no to something. What did you say no to? I said no to a commissioned job of laying out somebody else's role playing game. What did it, was it hard to say no? Oh yeah. Hardest thing I've ever done. Really? No. Really? Up there. <laughs> I don't like saying no. Yeah. Uh, but it would be an unreasonable thing to say yes to. And you know, like those hours that would have been spent doing that work are now spent meal prepping or taking care of the already abundant workload I have. And that's, that's self-care. I said no to something too. What did you say no to? 
somebody had messaged on Twitter asking if I wanted to participate in like being on a panel of judges for a board game competition. And at first I started to say, can you send me more information? Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, because I like a soft no, which I'm trying to get better at in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before responding immediately, I like took a breath and I was like, this month there has been like moving. There have been multiple heat waves. We are breaking up. We have a game that's going to go to press soon. I can just say no. Like I can I can actually say this doesn't work for me right now and I did. Nice. <laughs> I did say keep me in mind for the future. That's okay. Yeah. Cuz I don't I don't like closing doors. Yeah. But I don't know what the future's going to look like. You can say no then too. <laughs> so breaking up is difficult. But being broken up has some advantages. There's there's some good reasons to uh, not be in a relationship with your coworkers. <laughs> and now we are we're able to access those rewards. Yeah, that's true. Now we are uh, professionally able to comment on, like, provide our professional commentary on what that's like. Whereas before we were on the other end of things, so we, you know didn't have any expertise in the matter that's right we're becoming better rounded experts in the full range of co-working experience (laughs) uh so i'll say that one thing if we're going to call out positives is that i don't know this this has been and will be an opportunity to better define boundaries around like when we're working and when we're not i mean It was something that we would try to kind of talk about a little bit in our relationship where we'd be like, okay, are there, are there any zones in our household that are no game design zones? And the answer is no, there are no zones. So then like, are there any hours of the night that are no game design hours? Answer is no, all hours are included. So, I mean, you know, I especially have been pretty bad at, like, never being able to kind of turn it off and, like, you know, in the middle of the night just be, like, hovering over you with, like, some sixth sense shit, you know, like, <laughs> Bruce Willis shit, just being like, Evan, <laughs> games. <laughs> I want to say that's where some of our best ideas have come from, but yeah, I think like... I, I'm, all I have is this, like, just hazy memory of things happening. Yeah, so. from those like 3 a.m. spectral hauntings, spectral <laughs> hanings. <laughs> so instead of the sort of night terror approach, <laughs> we're going to start, you know, scheduling retreats, maybe short one day retreats where it's like, okay, this is going to be a day that's just for designing Questlandia 2. And we clear both of our schedules or longer ones where it's multiple days or a week. Which is something that we never really bothered thinking about when we were in the same place because we are just like, well, we can just, we can work anytime. We can just go to the living room and work or wake up at 3 a.m. and work. It's, you know, we don't need to make special time and space. Which I feel like sometimes made it less likely that work was going to get done. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, it's, you know, when you're spoiled with time, you don't use it well. 
So what does this mean for Questlandia 2? Like, what does this mean for the game? I think we have maybe like a one or two week delay coming up in delivery of this game. Mm, yeah, we should probably let the backers know. We'll be, we'll be detailing it in a future backer update. Yeah, for transparency's sake, mm-hmm. this may impact our printing deadlines. You know, when we started the podcast, we, we went back to our notes from the first episode and we were like, this is going to be a one year experiment. You know, we think the game will come out next October, mm-hmm. but like, don't yell at us. Yeah, please don't yell at us. But the game is definitely not going to come out in October. No. But that's okay. Because we do actually have estimates that we've come up with. Which we are not going to reveal at this time. (laughs) Uh, But it means you get more podcast, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. If you like the podcast more than you think you'll like the game, you could try to sabotage our progress. Give us bad suggestions. (laughs) The game won't come out, but the podcast will continue. Just planting seeds. Yeah. So Design Duck will just be like, you know, the infinite jest of Questlandia 2. Mm-hmm. Like this tome that gets created as a result of our attempts to make this game. That that does seem to be what it is, yes. <laughs> so, you know, what this means for the development of Questlandia 2 is some of that is, I think, to be determined. It's a little hard to say where it's going to be hard to move forward and where the way that we work is going to have to change. But this was something that needed to happen. And, you know, my hope is that with a little bit of time, the game will be better for it. It worked last time. (laughs) It did. (laughs) It did work last time. So, you know, my... I am invested in making as good a game as I can under conditions that are healthy and sustainable uh, for all the people involved in its creation. I know I feel just as excited to make this game. I still love the premise. I'm still thinking about the rules all the time. I, I don't have any less enthusiasm for the project. No, you know, I think that in some ways, uh, especially as fall approaches, which I always feel like is a good time to be making things and a good time for changes, um, like, I feel like my enthusiasm has maybe increased. You know, things have been hard. It's been really hard to make things. Uh, I think that I will need a little bit of a break before, like, diving in in earnest. But I feel close to ready to pick up Questlandia 2 again, uh, kind of aggressively. I feel like we have maybe a little backlog of some of the ideas and changes that have come up over the playtests and discussions of the last few podcasts. So I'm excited over the next few weeks and months to start integrating everything, to come up with a unified, fully playable game, (laughs) (laughs) which might be full of problems, but we'll be fixing a whole game rather than individual bits and pieces of it and it's been quite a while since we've gotten a play test on the schedule so you know it's time to get another play test on the schedule and look back at our notes and figure out where we're at because frankly i don't remember 
Maybe we need to start over again. I think probably we need to start over again. Start from scratch. Start fresh. <laughs> I don't mean like Let, all of the mechanics, but like I don't remember where we left off in our game. Somebody was falling in love with a wall. That's like, a good memory. That's a good starting place. <laughs> it's a game about a wall. Uh, kind of like waking up every day in America. Mm-hmm. It's a game about a fucking wall. That it is. So with that, our next episode, we'll get back into the design of Questlandia. We don't know exactly what element of the design it's going to be about because I think we have to sit down and look through our notes and schedule a playtest first. But it will be another like design-focused episode. We'll also be reviewing and catching up with feedback that people have sent and thinking about maybe if there's some other ways that we can get input from people who listen to this podcast and ways that we can involve them in the process. Well, we did do a poll on Twitter asking what people thought of the intro segments. <laughs> and like we have these sort of pre-scripted intro segments and 80% of people said keep them, 20% said get rid of them, so we got rid of them. <laughs> right? 20%, that's a lot of people saying get rid of them, you can't ignore it. And so, well, and also you have to assume that like generally people don't like to be on the negative side, you know, that mm-hmm. people are going to underreport their negativity. So I think we kind of rounded up and we we're like Plus they're a lot of work. They're yeah, so basically <laughs> It was not a pointless poll. I was actually interested. Like if 100% or 90-something percent of people had been like, yeah, the intro segments are the best. But they were getting to this place where they were sometimes delaying the episodes coming out on time because we were like, oh, crap, we still have to write the intro and then record the intro and then, you know, level out the audio. So so we're going to try to kind of just fold what the episode is going to be about into the episode instead of doing these big pre-scripted things. So sorry to the 80% of people mm-hmm. who like them. <laughs> we will continue to ask for and then blatantly ignore your feedback in internet polls. We'll find more ways to disappoint you. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we're, we're a little behind right now on answering emails and Twitter stuff and other messages because life got a little bit crazy, um, but we'll catch back up again and... Uh, reintroduce your thoughts and questions in the next episode. So if you want to share with us um, ways that you stay balanced when times are hard or strategies that you use to find a sense of calm in the swirling chaos that is the here and now, you can tweet to us at designdocpod on Twitter or email us at designdocpod at gmail.com. You can also follow or tweet to us at our personal Twitters. I am Han Bandit. And I'm Adron Novel. The Design Doc intro-outro theme was written by our friend, musician Pat King. Thanks, Pat. The Design Doc Podcast is hosted by the One Shot Network. One Shot is home to other great shows like Modifier. Modifier is an interview show hosted by Megan Dornbrock all about why and how people change games. From the hobbyist to the professional, from house rules to publication, we all have in mind a better way to play. What's yours? I guess ours was making this podcast.
and Questlandia 2 as a whole, I guess. Yeah, which is hopefully a better way to play. Maybe we'll show up on that podcast someday. Yeah, <laughs> could be. One can only dream. <laughs> so thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon, heroes.